0: Birshut Rabbanim Hashuvim of the great Yeshiva uh, Yula in uh, Los Angeles, Birshut Talmidim Yekarim and Birshut Kahal Kadosh. Well, it's a great pleasure for me to address you here tonight on a very, very critical and important night of the year, the night before Matan Torah. <clears throat> Although I would have rather to meet you in person as I've done uh, on my territory and on your territory as well. But under the circumstances, uh, this is uh, how HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to interact. And therefore, we don't uh, choose the terms of how to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu. but Nonetheless, uh, let's take advantage of these moments that we have now in order to make the proper preparations for Zeman Matan Toratenu, I have a question that I've asked in previous years and I've given an answer. Uh, I'd like to tell you my question, my previous answer, and then uh, tell you the new answer that I've prepared uh, for this derash. You know, tomorrow night in the Kiddush, we're going to say, (laughs) Zeman <laughs> litziat We're going to talk about how it's the time that we receive the Torah, which is true, and then we're going to say zecher <laughs> litziat to commemorate the Exodus out of Egypt. And the question is, what does Shavuot have to do with Yitziat Mitzrayim? It's the wrong holiday. Pesach has to do with Yitziat Mitzrayim. That's the holiday where we celebrate the exodus from Egypt. Shavuot, Shavuot was one and a half months later. Pesach was in Chodesh Rishon, and Shavuot is in Chodesh Lishi. What in the world is that doing in the uh, Kidush? What is it doing in the Tefillah, in the Sidur, when it tells us, Zecher Litziat Mitzrayim? Well, I'd like to explain it, as I did in previous years, based on the Ramban. This is a very fundamental Ramban in order to understand how Shavuot works and where it fits in. He questions the name Shavuot. We call it in the Torah, Atzeret. Atzeret? Atzeret literally means the day where we stop. We stop working. But the Ramban reminds us there's another holiday that's also called Atzeret. Shemini Atzeret. And that comes after seven days of Sukkot. After seven days, the eighth day is called Atzeret. So he comes along and he says brilliantly. He says, Pesach is a seven-day holiday. And after the seven days, we have Sefirat HaOmer. Tonight, we just finished it. And he looks at the days of Sefirat HaOmer as Chola Moed. These are intermediate days. The days of Holam between Pesach and Shavuot. And then when Shavuot comes, that's the eighth day. It's the eighth day of Pesach. And indeed, it's like Shemini Atzeret. We have a, a, a Shemini Atzeret in the fall, and we have a Shemini Atzeret in the spring. Shavuot is the eighth day of Pesach. So in the Ramban's mind... He connects the two holidays. They're actually bookends. So there must be a connection. What began on Pesach ends on Shavuot. And now the question is, what is that that happened? What are we commemorating? The explanation is that we must say that there's two forms of redemption. There's two forms of freedom. Everybody seeks freedom. We live in the United States of America, and we're so proud of the freedoms that are afforded to us in the Bill of Rights. Uh, Our great country abolished slavery many years ago. The Jewish people were slaves in Egypt. Our bodies were subjected and tormented by a tyrannical government, and it was generational. This lasted close to 200 years. We were imprisoned, we were incarcerated. Our bodies were beaten and bruised. And there was no chance for us to ever escape. And Akadosh Baruch Hu, in the month of Nisan, on the 15th day, he made an open miracle. He surprised the entire world. The Jewish people, the slave, was set free. And the captors, the Egyptians... They all drowned and the Jewish people on Pesach were physically free. Our bodies were not in shackles, incarcerated, imprisoned by the oppressor. Well, for sure that's worthy of celebration. We can imagine the suffering and the pain, the Pasuk says, they embittered our lives from morning to night. Physical and psychological torture, men, women, and children. So to be free from that, our bodies now had a reprieve. I would refer to that in Pesach, Geulat Haguf, the freedom, freedom of the body. However, Abotai, I must, I must tell you, freedom from freedom from slavery, is very beneficial. But now what? Now that we're free from, we must now have something to occupy all this free time that we have. We have to now live and occupy a new purpose, a new agenda, a new direction. Just to be free from something does not give us a goal, does not give us a reason. It's quite common that criminals are let out of jail and now they have a lot of time on their hand, and they resort back to mischief behavior. Children, they're off of school in the summer and the crime rate goes up because they have nothing to do. So just to let us out of Egypt, to wander in the Midbar, three million people, without giving us a guide, without giving us some some things to do, some purpose, that freedom that we received in Egypt would become the greatest liability. And I suspect that if we did not follow up the freedom from to freedom to, Pesach would not be a holiday. Pesach would be a tragedy. Just to free slaves and let them go and run in the wild, it would be to skelt it would be bedlam, so God says, now that I freed you from, now I'm going to give you the Torah, which will now make you free to do what you were brought to this world to do, to serve the Creator, in order that you'll be able to make your way to eternity in Olam You weren't created to build bricks on quicksand. You weren't created to have your hands in mortar all day long in cement. We were created for a higher purpose. We have a neshama, and therefore it was on Shavuot, which is also a holiday of freedom, keep in mind. But freedom of the soul, freedom to do what we created to do. You know, there was a, uh, there was a poet, Tabor. Tabor once said, I have a violin string. It's on my table, the string. But it's not free To play music. I take the violin string and I put it in my violin and I tighten it on both ends. Only now the violin string can play music. Now it is free because it can do what it was meant to do. Just to lie around and to do nothing, although in America they say, oh, it's free to do whatever he wants. That's not freedom. That's either laziness or living a purposeless life. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, phase one, freedom of the body, quite important. Phase two, which is the highlight, freedom of the soul. Here's your objective. Here's your guide. Here's your handbook. Take these mitzvot and get to work. As a matter of fact, when we came out of Mitzrayim, the first thing God told us, Lachem Rosh Chodeshim. This month belongs to you. What does that mean? Lachem does the month belong to me? I didn't know that I'm the proprietor of the Jewish calendar. But God was saying, until this moment for the last 200 years, your time did not belong to you. Your time belonged to Paro. Your time belonged to the Egyptians. God says, I am giving you back your time now. is <laughs> starting from now, the days and the months belong to you. And now you'll be able to control it and live according to your destiny and your purpose. Well, what is that, God? Well, stay tuned. You'll get the book in a month and a half. Based on this, I understand something that always bothered me. When we talk about Egypt, they tell us there was four terms of geulah, Arba of We know them. We drink the four cups. Okay. God, you released us from the backbreaking labor. I'll drink to that. Vitzalti, you saved us from any type of work. Even the easy, the menial work. There was no more work. Vitzalti. I'll drink to that as well. Phase three, Vigaalti. gaaltanu. Fantastic. We were let free. Get out of jail. Well, I'll drink to that. But there's a fourth terminology, my dear friends. What could be after Vigalti? we left Egypt, we're out. What could happen after you were freed? Well, it says, I will take you. V'lak'ati etchemli le'am. When was that? That didn't happen until 50 days later at Shavuot. And I always wondered, but what are you mentioning that at Pesach for? We should say, there's three Shanot of Ge'ulah, and Velakati is 50 days later, and the explanation is that God is telling us that the viga'alti and the Velakati are inseparable. The viga'alti, the physical freedom, if it's not followed up by a spiritual purpose and freedom, then the Ga'alti is a liability. And therefore the Torah is coming to tell you straight up, Rabbotai, vigaalti is only part one. Velakati, coming attractions, it's coming up. And the Torah is mentioning that in Egypt, because you have to know that. If you think that you're just leaving Egypt to be free to do anything you want, to wake up when you want, to eat what you want, to speak what you want, to behave what you want, to think what you want, and go back to Egypt. The only thing that changed from Egypt to, uh, to Har Sinai was we got a different boss. Instead of working for Paro. We changed the employer. Hallelujah, hallelu, Avde Adonai. Now we became avadim of God. We were still avadim. But at least working for God, it brings us to a goal. There's an end. You know, the halakha says that on Pesach night, if you want to drink extra cups, I don't know who would want to drink extra cups, but you have some people that like to drink So the halakha says you can drink between the first cup and the second cup, you can drink even between the second cup and the third cup, but you're not allowed to drink between the third and the fourth cup. There can be no separation, no extra cups in between cup number three and number four, and now I know why. Because we mustn't separate the ga'alti and the from the physical freedom to the spiritual freedom, those must be linked together. And therefore... If that's the case, I understand clearly what Mitzrayim has to do with uh, with Shavuot. <laughs> it's the it's it's phase two, it's phase two of Pesach. I mean to say, now I know what Shavuot has to do with 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 Mitzrayim. Of course, without Shavuot, without Matan Torah, Ze'ikletziat Mitzrayim would not be something to celebrate. That's the simple answer that we said in previous years. But in honor of uh, tonight's event uh, and Kahal Kadosh, I would like to offer a a new explanation. What bothered me this year is a second question, if I may ask, and that is, they tell us that Matan Torah was a wedding. It was a wedding ceremony. Yeah, it was a big wedding ceremony. Three million people in attendance. God was the the hatan. God is the groom. And the Jewish people were the collective bride. And God married us at Sinai, and he chose us as his nation. And you should know that a lot of the customs that we have at our, our weddings, the customs are based on that universal wedding that took place at Sinai. You know, before we came to Har Sinai, it was in the desert, as you know, but God filled the mountain with flowers and greenery. That's why we have flowers at our weddings. Zecher le Har Sinai, the original wedding. Do you know that at Har Sinai, three days before the event, God invited us. God said, in three days, Rabotai, meet me at the mountain. That's why we have wedding invitations. We invite not only that, when we came to the mountain, it says the angels came to our tents and they escorted us to the mountain. Moshe Rabbeinu came to our tents and escorted us to the mountain. If you ever went to a wedding, you see there's marchers. They escort. They bring the hatan kalah to the chupah. Oh, the chupah. You remember God took Sinai and hung it over our heads? That was the chupah. That's why we have a chupah at the wedding. So my question was God's the Hattan. He loves us He wanted to marry us We didn't ask to marry him He asked to marry us He chose the venue But my question is Why the delay? Why did not he marry us The day we came out of Egypt? What's stopping him? I mean God knows how to get us to see Night in one second. I mean, we lived miracles in Egypt with the 10 plagues and the splitting of the sea. God couldn't make an extra miracle, abracadabra, hocus pocus, and all of a sudden we'd be in Hadassi Night, and God will say, That's it, I'm marrying you today. Why Why a month and a half later? It's not like God has to prepare for anything. It's not there's a caterer, or we have to get a photographer. God could do anything He wants. Why was it that there was a 50 day delay to this wedding? That's. That's a strong question. And the answer? the answer is very, very simple. Oh yes, God was ready. God would have married us the day we came out of Egypt. He would have given us a torah. Only problem is the bride wasn't ready. What do I mean to say? the HaBotai, we were in Egypt for 200 plus years. Egypt was the superpower of the time, but also was the, was the seat of decadence and lowliness. Torah refers to Egypt as the abominable place, To'avot Mitzrayim. It was filled with black magic and witchcraft and idolatry. And all forms of immorality. And the Jews lived in that society for 200 years. I mean, if you learn science, they tell you about osmosis. There is no way that you could live in a barn without smelling. Even if you leave the barn, there's going to be traces of it in you. And the Jewish people, the Zora Kadosh says, when we left Egypt, there were still traces of negative influence, that toxicity of the culture. Listen, you're a product of your culture. You know, Maimonides says, just like you are what you eat, you are who you associate with, whether it's intentional or unintentional. You start to think like those people. You start to talk like them. You start to dress like them. Their values become your values. Their lifestyle becomes your lifestyle. That's all you know. That's what you were brought up with. And therefore, God says... I'm willing to marry you. But you need time to purify yourself. You see, when we get married in our lives, even if the Hatan loves the Kalah, he goes to the rabbi and says, Dear Rabbi, I want to marry this girl. I want to marry her today. What would the rabbi say? No, you cannot marry her until seven days. Why? What seven days? She needs seven days and then she needs to go to the mikveh. That's the halacha till today. You cannot marry a girl tomorrow. She needs to prepare herself. Every girl, before she gets married, needs a minimum of seven days to purify herself from what the Gemara refers to nida. There's a tum'ah, there's a physical, biological tum'ah and the only way that that is relieved is a seven-day process. Zayin, Nikiyim, seven clean days, we call that. And then she immerses in the holy waters of the mikveh. The minimum amount of time that we could do a wedding is seven days from the proposal. So God says, I want to marry you. And I know the rule is minimum seven days. But in this case, the Tum'ah is so strong, you need seven weeks. They take you seven weeks to purge yourself from the Egyptian mentality. If it was up to me, I'd marry you tomorrow. Halakha says seven days but it has to be compounded in this case because it's a severe case that you have and for those 49 days, tonight is the culmination of the seven weeks, we were working to rid ourselves of the philosophy and the ideology and the thinking and the thought process all that we experience in Egypt, we had to shed it. We had to... It's almost like the way we kosher pots on Pesach. We had to purge ourselves in order that when we come to Har Sinai, in order that when we come to Har Sinai, we'll be pure. You know, the Orachim says on the Pasuk, b'nei Yisrael Mitzrayim bayom hazeh ba-um midba- it says, in the third month, from when the Jews came out of Egypt, they came to Har Sinai. Says the word she He reads the Pasuk like this. Why did God wait to marry us? Why did He wait to the third month? After all, we left Egypt in the first month. And the answer is Yes, we were coming out of Mitzrayim. That's why. Look where we came from. God said, I cannot right away make a, a hatuna under these circumstances. Therefore, B'nai Yisrael needed, they needed preparation. And I will tell you, there was a great rabbi called the Satmar Rebbe. Satmar Rebbe said that when we talk about leaving Egypt, they refer to it as Yitziat Mitzrayim. Yitziat Mitzrayim. Now some of you maybe know Grammar the grammatical way to say leaving Mitzrayim would be Yitziat Mim mitzrayim. But we don't say Yitziat Mim mitzrayim. we say Yitziat Mitzrayim. And he introduces a new concept. He says there's two things. One is the Jew leaving the geographical place called Mitzrayim. The Jew leaving Mitzrayim. That's Yitziat Mim mitzrayim. But then there's the more important and the more difficult. Yitziat Mitzrayim, that's the Mitzrayim leaving the Jew. Yitziat Mitzrayim. It's not enough that the Jew must leave Egypt. Egypt must leave the Jew. And that's what we're doing for 49 days. We were trying to get rid of the Mitzrayim that was in us. It was a purification process. Now, you must have heard once uh, from your teachers, there's a custom on Shavuot, uh, that we have milk products, dairy products. So I don't know if you have the, uh, the cream cheese shortage that we're having here on the East Coast. There's a major panic, another another result of the pandemic that nobody can get cream cheese, and people are panicking how they're going to make their uh, their very important uh, cheesecakes. Everybody has their priorities. In any event, many reasons have been given why we eat Milk on Shavuot. But the Kabbalah says a deep explanation. He says, after a lady's finished counting the seven days for her blood, for the dam nida, she goes to the mikveh. she gets married, she gets pregnant. The lady gets pregnant, as you know, the Gebarah says, she's misuniket damim. She does not see blood. The biological uh, a concept of nida stops when the lady is pregnant and then she gives birth to a baby and then something unbelievable happens a miracle miracle of, of, of Hashem the human body starts to produce milk and the Gemara says where did that milk come from? it wasn't there before and the Gemara says dam na'asa halav the blood changes and there's a metamorphosis from the blood and it turns into milk there's no blood anymore now it turns into milk and therefore, we have milk on Shavuot to commemorate the seven weeks of purification from the Nida, from the Tum'at of Mitzrayim, from the Yetzi'at of Mitzrayim, from within us. And then, we were able to marry God and now we had a fruitful relationship. Damna asa halav, the blood turns into milk. The Vashveh halab, the Torah is compared to milk. We were able to purify ourselves from the lowest tumah, and now bring us to the Kiddushah of the Torah. <mushna'an> Elayah was the one that said that. What does he mean to say? Im en ani li, mi li. If I am not for myself, who is going to be for me? What does he mean? The simple explanation is, you have religious responsibilities, all of you, and you cannot delegate those responsibilities to an agent. Im en Anili, if I'm not going to be responsible for my own religious activities and actions, who is going to be for me? You cannot hire a a, a proxy in order to fulfill your religious obligations. Im en Anili, there's a Mishnah at the end of Avot. I love this Mishnah, and I've said many that are short over it over the years, but I would like to say a, a, a new one in your honor tonight. There was a rabbi called the Yosef Ben Kisma He says he was walking on the road. He says one time I was walking on the road, and he says Upagabi Adam, a man bumped into him and he said hello, Rabbi, and I told him Shalom, and the fellow tells me where do you come from? He says Oh, I come from a city of scholars, and the man says Rabbi, Ritzoncha tadur imanu bimkomenu, do you want to come live with us? And I will give you an exorbitant amount of money thousands of dollars, and gold and pearls. Well, that's a dream come true. That's a rabbi's dream. He walked out of the bed with for a couple of minutes, and all of a sudden, they solicit him, and they tell him, come move to our city, and you'll get paid an exorbitant salary. I mean, what was his answer? What was the Kismaz's answer? It's got to be, where do I sign? Instead, what does he say? If you give me all the money in the world... I will only live in a place of Torah. He flatly refused it. And I always wondered, why? At least he should have said, I'll get back to you, let me think about it. I mean, where are you going to get an offer like this? Isn't that a rabbi's dream? You move to a, a, a new town, it might not be a Torah town, but you build it up. I mean, Chabad does that all over the world. You'll get a mikveh for them, you'll open up a school, you get a kosher restaurant, you bring a kolel there. They have the money, they're going to pay you all that money. Why was he so adamantly against it? Well, I think he must have heard something in the offer, the way it was offered to him, and uh, he saw the, uh, the fine print, and he didn't like what he was reading or hearing, and therefore he says, not for me. Listen to what he heard. I'm reading the words of the Mishnah. The offer went like this, Ritzonenu imanu. You want to live with us? Oh, that's okay. You want to live with us? Obviously, if he's going to move to that town, he's going to live with them. But he added one more word. Ritzoncha imanu bimkomenu. bimkomenu could mean instead of us. Bimkomenu. Basically, they were saying, we need a rabbi to do all the rituals and all the mitzvot, bimkomenu, instead of us. We, we're we not interested, but we have a guilty conscience. We feel bad. So we're going to pay you all the money. You keep Shabbat for us. Eat all the kosher food. You'll go to the megveh. You'll keep the holidays. You'll do Pesach. You'll build a sukkah and have a mom We'll give you a list with all our names. And you'll say our names once a year. And he comes along and says, you're not interested in keeping the mitzvot. I should be your shaliyah, bimkomenu. Eliel said, Im en ani li, li You cannot uh, delegate your religious service. But I would like to explain this Mishnah in a different The Mishnah would be read like this. Imen ani li. If I am not going to be for myself and to prepare myself. me The word me is mem yud. It equals 50. Mem yud. Shavuot is the 50th day if I'm not going to prepare myself what's going to be on the 50th day the bride isn't going to be ready for the wedding you're going to come along and say well we're not in Egypt anymore Well, guess what we're in the United States of America God bless America but I will tell you that there's also a lot of toxicity and tum'ah there's a lot of values in this country that the Torah is not aligned with We're very fortunate we have freedom of religion. But again, the osmosis. There's a lot of things that we see on the television, in the movies, in the papers, on the radio, on the internet. A lot of things that are not Torah-oriented. But the freedom is that it's allowed to come into our brains and our homes. But when we're coming to now get married to God, every year there's a new wedding. The preparation, which is now, the night before the wedding especially, of course we have to start to to move ourselves away from that, from that mitzrayim that's within, from that America that's within, to purge ourselves just a bit in order that when we come to the wedding, at least the hatan will see a bride that's suitable. Well, what happened, Rabbeinu? We come to Har Sinai, and the Zohar Kadosh says the Gemara as well. Paska Zuhamatam. Look at this. Two words. Paska Zuhamatam. Which means when they got there, there was no more Zuhama. No more uh, no more Tum'ah, no more contamination, no more spiritual grime. We got to Hal Sinai, God says you, you did it. There's no trace. There's no trace. You read yourself, you work so Hard in the 49 days, day 50 we stood in front of God and God was able to tell us Paska that's incredible you know Har Sinai has another name I don't know if you know the other name of Har Sinai Har Sinai is also called Har Chorev maybe you heard of it, Har Chorev what is Horev? Well, Horev can mean a fire anybody knows the books of Rav Samson and Rafael Hirsch he wrote a book called Chorev, explaining the mitzvot in the Torah, it's named after the mountain, but why does the mountain need another name what was the matter with Har Sinai, why do you have to call it the fiery mountain, if that's what it means well I'd like to explain it to you Har Chorev you see the Gemara tells us in Sukkah what's going to happen the day Mashiach comes. It's a beautiful Gemara. The Gemara actually gives you a, a detail, blow by blow, what's going to happen the day Mashiach comes. So it says, first, there's going to be a big banquet. And it tells us what the menu is going to be. They're going to give us a big fish. Now, even though some of you don't like fish, this is a special fish. It's called Leviatan. It's supposed to be very delicious. If you don't like fish, there's going to be a certain meat that's called Habar. That's going to be on the menu as well, available. They're going to have wine from the times of Adam and Rishon, all the delicacies, And then in the middle of the se'udah, all the tzaddikim are going to be sitting there as well. And all of a sudden, who's going to show up? The Yetzirah. Yetzirah. The Malacha Mavet, same guy. Now don't get nervous. He's not the guest of uh, honor, nor, nor is he going to be invited to make a speech. The Gevara says, God's going to take a knife, And he's going to slaughter the Yetzirah. No more death. No more Yetzirah. No more seduction of the evil inclination. That's the order of the day. But before, and we say it on Pesach, in the Had Gadiah, God is going to come, he's going to slaughter the slaughterer. Wonderful. Right before that happens, it says the Sadiqim are going to start to cry tzaddikim are going to start to cry because the Yetzirah is lahem kahar. the Yetzirah is going to appear to the tzaddik like a mountain an insurmountable mountain and they look at it and say wow this Yetzirah how were we able to scale it how were we able to climb how are we able to beat them they're going to be so proud of themselves they Said, wow we were able to overtake the mountain imagine you see Everest you say, wow I conquered Everest that Tzadik is going to have so much satisfaction that they were able to beat the mountain. And the question is how? They put coronavirus on the flyer. Uh, I guess that's the buzzword today. Although I don't have too much to say about the virus, but since it's on the... Uh, since it's on the flyer, I guess I will have to say something about it. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to mislead. If somebody goes into the pharmacy today. And he tells the pharmacist, uh, listen, uh, I came to pick up a medicine. Yeah, what is that? Uh, the vaccine for the uh, COVID-19. The vaccine? There's no vaccine for this. What do you mean? There must be, with all this medicine you have, some cure for it, sir? Do you come from Mars? There's no cure for this. The whole world's looking for a cure. We don't have a cure for this. How can it be? There's people dying. God forbid, people There's no cure for it. They're working on it. They're spending millions of dollars. We cannot cure this. If you get it, you got to pray that uh, you get a mild case. But of course, it's very, very serious. It's very. There's no cure for it. Wow. If somebody else comes into that same pharmacy and says. I'm looking for a, uh, an antidote. What are you trying to cure? Uh, do you have something for the Yetzirah? For the evil inclination? It's, oh, that's serious. You have the evil inclination? You have a bad case of it. What, what, what's some of the symptoms? Oh, I cannot control my desires. I cannot, uh, you know, fulfill the mitzvot. Uh, I have laziness. You know, I'm uh, not thinking the right things. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So, oh, you got a bad case of Yetzirah. Well, you're in luck. We have a remedy for it. And the other guy says, What? You don't have a remedy for COVID, but you have a remedy for the Yetzirah? That's a much more severe disease. What's the remedy for that? Well, that God said. God said, I created the Yetzirah, and I created its antidote. The antidote to the Yetzirah was not invented by Johnson & Johnson or Merck or Bristol & Myers. The antidote against the Yetzirah God says, I created it in my laboratory, and it's called Torah. Start to study Torah, and you start to become immunized, and the virus starts to diminish, and you start to find that the Yetzirah eventually leaves you. When the Jewish people came to Sinai, God gave us a test. He didn't put a swab in our mouth or up our nose, But he gave us the Yetzirah test, and everybody tested negative. Pascha Zuhamatam. Nobody has a Yetzirah. You're cured. But you know what God said to those people? You're cured from the Zuhamah, but what's going to be with the future generations? The Zuhamah is going to come back. Like all viruses, you know, they're cyclical. They go away for a little while, and they come back. God says, well, now... We starve the Yetzel. The is not here. Pascha. Everybody's negative here. But I'm worried about next season. I'm worried about, I'm worried about 2,000 years from now, 3,000 years when the Jews are going to be in America. There's going to be a... Uh, the Zuhama is going to have a revival. It's going to come back. It's going to come back with a vengeance. So I need to give you a medicine today. Today you might not need that medicine. You don't have it today. But you better put this medicine in your homes because one day your children and grandchildren are gonna need it. And it's the only medicine that works, there's no generic. Boys and girls, you have to remember that. The evil inclination is very strong, especially in the country that we're living in. There's much competition for religious young boys and girls that we can get lost, we can get caught up. Maybe it's not our fault, we're born here, it's a, we're victims. Nonetheless, God says there's a way to control it. And there's no substitute. If somebody will come along and say, well, I have a new way to control the Yitzhak, I'm going to go into the forest and hum. Somebody hum. Yeah, I'm going to hum music. It's just going to put me into a different uh, state of mind. And somebody says, well, I'm going to draw art, and that's going to take me out of the Yetzirah. Another one says, I'm going to do yoga and contort myself in all positions. Well, that might be fine. I'm not against any of those. But that's not going to work to get rid of the Yetzirah. Only the study of Torah and the performance of mitzvot. That's what the manufacturer said. That's not my suggestion. God said. And therefore... That although we tested negative at Har Sinai, God then said, I'm worried about the future generation that will test positive to Zohama. So he said, this location is called Har Sinai. That's the name of the location. But now I'm going to tell you its function. The function is Har Chorev. It destroys, Chorev is to destroy. It destroys the Har. Nidmer lahem kahar yetzer Yetzrara that appears to the Tzaddikim as a Har, this is Har Choreb, it's a Yetzrara buster. It's a Yetzrara destroyer. Har Sinai is the place, Har Choreb is the function. And that's why tomorrow night in Kiddush we're going to say, Litziat Shavuot, we commemorate not leaving Egypt, but we commemorate Egypt leaving us. And without Torah, without this discipline that God gave us, a Jew falls into the clutches of the evil inclination and there's no telling how low he can fall. The only thing that keeps us above water, that keeps us moral and keeps us on the straight and narrow is the commitment to Torah. It is a lifesaver. And therefore, I say to all our students in the great Yeshiva and Yula, boys and girls, first of all, congratulations. You're very fortunate that you spend most of your days in the Yeshiva, learning Torah. These years in Yeshiva are years that you're getting vaccinated. Your parents vaccinated most of you for all these diseases that are curable today through vaccination. And even the anti vaxxers that don't vaccinate their children. But when it comes to Torah, this is one vaccine that there's no side effects and there's no downside. And therefore, you should be praised that you have committed yourself to the study of Torah on a daily basis. But now on Shavuot is the time to make a new commitment. For one reason, if only one reason, not only to expand your knowledge, but you have to know that without it, man becomes an animal. Man loses his control. Man loses his ability to say no. Man loses their ability to resist. Not because we're bad people, but because we have a yetzerah, we have this inclination that draws us. But God says, it's no excuse, I gave you the medicine. Har chorev. The destruction of the har. And therefore indeed, in these few hours before Shavuot, we make these type of commitments to learn more Torah, Torah must be studied. It's not a spectator sport. It's not something we just look at the book or when they bring the Sefer Torah out, we throw kisses to it and we do the waltz with it on Shavuot like they dance with the Stanley Cup and the hockey and the NHL. That's not what the Torah is for, for dancing it and kissing it. Torah must be an active sport. It must be studied. It must be learned and it must be fulfilled. And then Be'azat Hashem will be able to purge the America that's within us. The bad part at least. At Mitzrayim from within. Paskazu hamatam, and then, Berzat Hashem, I pray that all the brides out there today, all of us are the brides. Tomorrow night we'll come to the wedding prepared, and the Hatana will greet us again like he did in the year two thousand four hundred forty-eight. The wedding will go on as scheduled. It says that when we got to Har Sinai, God gave us a gift, because you know the Hatana has to give a gift to the bride, and the gift was that we were cured from all our ailments. You know, when we came out of Egypt, we were beaten up. We had broken bones. People were blinded. People were deaf. When we came to Har Sinai. it says everybody was cured. Then the Hatan tells the Kala, Yafa atra yati, You're such a beautiful bride. Umum en you have no blemishes. They said, Vayir'u etak, Vayir'u, They started to see. Their eyes got better. And they were able to hear. They were standing. They said, Na'aseh, their hands got better. They were cured. And I pray that, Bezat Hashem, maybe that's what we needed to wait. We needed the world to get back to Har Sinai to the wedding where it brought refu'at to the world. Refu'at an-nefesh and refu'at guf It brought us a vaccination for the soul that I talked about, and it brought us a vaccination to the body. And I pray that that should happen again tomorrow night. And I bless you all that we should have a good wedding. And we should end up with the refu'at an-nefesh don't forget, Shavuot is Zekher Nitziat mitzrayim. Rabot, mayimot, thank you very much, Rabbi Mansour. Thank you for the Chizuk. Uh, very inspirational. Wishing everyone Chag Sameach, and which have an incredible Shavuot, a real Kabalat HaTorah, and reminder to join the Vidrashah at Yuli Girls. Everyone, enjoy Chag Sameach. Thank you, and thank you. Thank you, Rabbis. Thank you, Rabbi Mansoor. So special. Thank you. Thank you. You You're very special too. Keep up the great work, rabbis. Hope to see you in LA in person.